0: It's time once again for another episode of Atlanta Legal Experts Radio, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host, Emily Rowell.
1: Good morning and welcome to another episode of Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. I am your host, Emily Rowell, with Peachtree Offices. And thank you for tuning in this morning. We're excited to be here. I've got Rich Casanova here with me.
2: Uh, here, always feel like I'm in class when you said, that. yeah. But yeah, a great show at our PBS uh, studios here in Buckhead, and um, we got a great lineup of experts in the uh, studio um, overlooking Buckhead from our Peachtree offices here. So, uh, and speaking of that, we'll get into our guests in just a moment. I know you want to um, do a shout out. Do they still do that to our sponsors, or uh, <laughs> maybe a, just a thank you? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes, I'd like to mention our sponsors, but first I'm going to name who's in our. Room. Oh, you're
2: going to name names. All yes. right. Yes. Yeah. So yes. Let's uh,
0: welcome. Enjoy. More guests, Anya. I
1: have Kimberly Beard with the KB Law Firm. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here this morning. And what will you be
4: discussing today, Kimberly? I'm going to be talking about a couple of different things that happen within the personal injury world or auto accidents. Um, as the, everyone calls them, or the, the checks, as you see on TV. Gotcha. gotcha. Did you bring <laughs> any with you this morning? Or? I did, I did. <laughs> so, but I have to leave so I can but get But with that some. check
2: comes, uh, <laughs> we may not want to be paid or whatever, because yeah, right, there's consequences with
4: exactly. it. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And we have Jeff Dax. Good morning. And he is with more Ingram, Johnson, and Steele.
3: Good morning, Emily. Good morning, Rich. And what morning. will
1: we be talking about this morning, Jeff? Uh,
3: employment law and HR law for small businesses primarily.
1: Fantastic. We can't wait to hear. And then we have a returning guest, uh, Leanne Bellin with the Bellin Firm.
5: Good morning. Hi, guys. How are you doing?
2: (laughs) Unbelievable. How are you? I am
5: brilliant. (laughs) Great. Great. And you'll be talking about your book today? I'm going to be talking about personal and professional transitions. Wonderful. Wonderful. I'm so excited
1: to hear So, now we'll go to our sponsors. (laughs) We have, of course, the one and only Peachtree Offices. (laughs) And uh, they are located in four locations around the Atlanta area where they can help attorneys establish their practice with an address, a virtual office, or a full-time office. And you can check out their website on atlantalegalexperts.com. You can also see our other sponsor, 3A Law Practice Management, helping attorneys start and build their practice, and that is also on Legal right. dot com. Yeah. and last but not least, we have Atlanta's own John Marshall Law School, and if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here, so thank you, Absolutely. and thanks for, to our listeners today.
2: Absolutely, and uh, I think all all those folks have been in the studio at one point or another, and a great guest and uh, great services they provide.
1: And every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: by uh, by default, yeah.
1: So we'll start with Kimberly Beard. Uh, She is a graduate of the University of West Georgia with a Bachelor of Science in Criminal Justice. Beard was awarded a Juris Doctor degree from the University of South Carolina School of Law in Columbia, South Carolina. She has performed several internships throughout her law school term, including one under the Honorable Judge Tom N. Davis of the Gwinnett County Superior Court bench as a summer clerk. Upon graduation, Beard went to work for the Body Law Group, LLC, a firm that specializes in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. During her time at the Body Law Group, Beard managed the personal injury division, handling a high volume of car accident cases. In 2013, chasing her passion for personal injury law, Beard left the Body Law Group, LLC, to take a position as an associate attorney in the civil litigation department of Williams & Associates, P.C., Attorney Beard left Williams & Associates to start her own practice, the KB Law Firm, in 2015. So this year. Yes. That's a huge step for you. It's been a great step.
4: That's wonderful. I cannot complain. It's been good. So tell me how you got into law. What made you get started? Honestly, I wish I had this heartfelt story. I just fell into it. I was a criminal justice major undergrad and actually wanted to go into pardons, probations, and parole. Um, And I ended up working in a law firm in the process of looking for a job. And I said, well, hey, why not go to law school? Um, And always thought I wanted to do criminal law. And I Mm -hmm. did come out and practice for a little bit um, with William Bodie. Um, And then personal injury was where it was for me. It's what I had done previous to going to law school. Um, And that's just where I wanted to be. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And you're in Atlanta. I am there is a ton of car accidents every day there are (laughs) (laughs) so you have
1: I think you're like the what do they call it the fish in the pond or what is it
2: epicenter yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I probably did that wrong
1: (laughs) so tell me um, why should somebody that everybody that's listening out there why would they want to hire an
4: attorney if they've been injured Believe it or not, as many commercials and billboards that you see, there are still quite a few people who do not believe that they should have an attorney. Um, And we express the importance of having an attorney because, one, being an attorney is a skill set, but, two, because this is something that we deal with every day, and we understand the nature, as we say, of your injuries. We understand what your injuries cost. We understand you should be compensated for lost wages. We understand you should be compensated for pain and suffering and you know when we think about pain and suffering people don't think about you know I have a newborn and so I had to call my sister over for a couple of weeks to help me because I couldn't lift my baby because my back uh, was Mm -hmm. so sore or just the time you spend going back and forth to a doctor's appointment Um, all that stuff and is recoverable um, Mm -hmm. financially you get expenses um, pay back to you, and so you know, doing this for quite a few years, you know, you become experienced. You n- know what your case should s- settle for. I mean, the statistics show that you know, with an attorney, you get about eighty percent more in recovery than you would without an attorney. Wow! Um, so definitely.
1: More than what an insurance company would give you.
4: Of course. Um, (laughs) And insurance companies tend to call right after an accident offering before a client has even been to the doctor to know what's wrong. And I do understand people's financial situations, and they will buy right in. But I encourage all of you, do not take it. Wait till you speak to an attorney. Yes. So tell me, um,
1: if if um, if you get in an accident, what
4: is the first thing
1: you should do? If it's your fault... What's the first thing you should do?
4: The first thing you should do if you get into a car accident is definitely call the police. Um, call the police. Call your insurance company. Make sure it's recorded. Some people do not call the police and just take insurance information. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's not the worst thing you can do, but it definitely makes for a complicated case. Mm-hmm. Um Always call the police. Even on a hit and run, call the police. Minor damage, call the police. Um, Definitely call your insurance company, and then you call me. Uh, (laughs) That's the order that that goes in. Okay.
1: okay. Uh, (laughs) That's what I was wondering because I know that I'm – my insurance provider always has to
4: call me if, if you ever get in an accident.
1: Yeah, definitely. So you definitely want to do that, but then
4: definitely call your attorney. Right, right you definitely after. want to call the attorney thereafter. And th- and that's for a number of reasons, not, you know, just so you can have a case, but people don't understand the people that hit you, their insurance company. They work for the people that hit you. They They're not trying to help you. They're not your friend when they're asking you questions. So it's important. And sometimes you get clients, they've already spoken to the other insurance company. They've already given statements. They've already discussed injuries. Mm-hmm. Um and that can become a problem. What was the other question you asked me? If it's your fault. Oh my gosh, if it's your fault, I would still <laughs> say do the same thing. Um definitely still call nine one one. Um definitely still call your insurance company. Um but something that may appear to be your fault on the face may not be your fault. It mm. could be a break situation it could be an ignition situation it Mm -hmm. could be a couple of different things it could be something wrong with the vehicle not necessarily something that was that caused you yourself um, to cause the accident so I believe that the steps are still important
1: and I think you're saying you know if you at least talk to an attorney you may not need them but at least talk to them they know what they're doing they do this every day so they know what to look for they know what to listen for
4: yeah, and I think sometimes people get caught up in the misconception that attorneys, oh, they just want their money. Now, mm-hmm. let me be clear. This is a profession of business, so we are in it to get paid. <laughs> <Sure>. However, <laughs> however, I mean, it sometimes cases, they're just not worth it. You can tell a client, look, this is kind of what your case is worth. This is what you can get. It doesn't make sense to pay an attorney a percentage. Um, when all that money can go in your pocket. I mean, and that happens because we do have a lot of fender benders. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an attorney with integrity, I would say, you know, you wouldn't take on a case with such little recovery and then take that money out of the client's pocket when that's something that they could just settle themselves. Now, other than um, car accidents, what are other cases that you handle,
1: like um, that are injury cases, like people that
4: fall? What Yes, we do slip and falls. Um, my newest thing that I absolutely love doing is uh, pedestrians who are hitting the crosswalk. People do not realize how often that happens. and I see it almost happen all the time. It does. <laughs> and I think we, we you know we just we just drive, we don't really pay attention. We don't stop at the end of the street. Um, and I recently had a client had a had a crosswalk, had the light. The lady didn't pay attention. She had the light, but not to turn left and mm. struck my client. Um, mm. She was oh, no. hit her from the right, forced in the ground. Um, ambulance had to be called. Fortunately, um, her recovery was well. Um, but it, it's a lot that goes into it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Atlanta is very clear about their laws, and they are trying to do things to prevent future pedestrian mm-hmm. injuries. Now you see you press the light and so now it's a whole little Yeah, <laughs> they, know, they Yeah. Yeah. thing going on yeah. in the middle of the street <laughs> and, and still I mean people th- are going through yeah, it. Yeah, oh they're not slowing down, they're not stopping and those people they don't have any protection. They're complete, you know, car on body impact. Um yeah. and it's severe mm-hmm. to people and they mm-hmm. go through months of recovery. So, um that is the new challenge that the KB Law Firm has taken on so definitely enjoying that and do you use like private investigators to help? I do um I don't have to use them often but Mm -hmm. when I do have to use them or definitely going back out to see where the accident um Mm happen. Um, I've had really good clients, you know, technology is great. So now everybody's taking pictures after an accident. (laughs) That's a good tip. uh, Happens. It is, um, you know, taking pictures after accident happens. So if somebody says it happened one way, you know, you got uh, tire marks in the street. So you're able to kind of get someone to look at that and really explain to you, you know, what happened. Um, So yes, we do use them.
1: Now I hear people use the term MedPay and um. What does that mean?
4: So med pay is medical coverage on your car insurance. So what it does is it prevents you from having to use your health insurance, if you will, if you can actually even use it. Um and so med pay is if you get hurt, even if it's somebody's fault, doesn't cause your insurance to go up or anything like that. But what happens is if you're in a car accident and you need an emergency room visit and physical therapy, for instance, you'll use your med pay coverage to cover your medical bills. Hmm. So with that coverage and you get a settlement, now you don't have to pay back the emergency room. You don't have to pay the physical therapy because guess what? It's already taken care of. From your med pay coverage, and most people surprisingly do not have it, I think one they don 't know, but two, if they know they get discouraged because it's another four or five dollars on top of their premium, which they don't want to have to pay
1: right that um,
4: sounds so worth it though it it's very worth it i've', Especially I've in had, atlanta yeah i've had clients that mm-hmm. have very mm-hmm. um I mean, some people just have a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars, but some people have ten thousand, fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. And even in one, some of your smaller cases, your bills can rack up to about six or eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And so with your med pay, it's it's there. You don't have to worry about that fight of getting bills reduced, fighting with the doctors about you charge too much, this is all the client got. It just takes out a lot and it really Gives recovery to the client so that they can have the money that they are in fact entitled to after an accident, um, and not having to deal with paying back out the providers. A UM coverage, uh, mm-hmm. also known as UN coverage, is uninsured <laughs> motorists or underinsured motorists, and this okay. helps you to. Um, this helps you to definitely have coverage. We take for granted that other people are driving around. Um, with insurance, they're not. Uh, I've had cases where the person got hit, insurance left one day before, two days before, and if you are not carrying UM coverage, then there is no recovery for you. Um, sometimes people get hit; they have very severe injuries. You know, we see the uh, different hospital commercials about how many weeks they were in the hospital, how many months of recovery, um, and those bills they add up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so most people aren't hitting you with million dollar coverages they're hitting you with 25,000 100,000 dollars so if that in fact is your is your incident your case then what the UM also provides is more coverage in the event that the person who hit you did not have enough Gotcha. so I encourage people if you have UM coverage or UN do not reject it some people reject it so They don't have it or they reduce it. Don't do that either because it also reduces the money that you can get. You should definitely have full coverage along with MedPay and also with UM coverage. So call your attorney. Take pictures. Yes, Take advantage
1: of MedPay. Yes. And you am.
4: Yes. And then you should be all set. (laughs) You should. And then you call the KB Law Firm because everything's already set up for you.
1: There you go. Yeah. Now tell me, um, should I use my health insurance when I get into an accident? Is there any time when you want to use your health insurance?
4: I encourage people to use their health insurance if they can. Okay. Um, What the law says about using health insurance, health insurance is for health-related injuries. So when you are injured by what we call a third party, someone out of your control, health insurance does not necessarily kick in. Health insurance will, but they want their money back because you receive recovery. What Mm -hmm. I tell people is use your health insurance. Why? Because health insurance pays a bill from the doctor, for instance, that's $3,000. Guess what? They're only going to pay them $700 on the $3,000 bill. Right. You don't use insurance. Guess who has the full $3,000 bill? You, you do. do. And right. because you are now a private, what they call a pri- private paying patient, mm-hmm. you don't get to argue with them about how much they charge. You don't get to um, say, I'm only going to pay $50 on the charge of $175. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. So it is much better to have to pay a percentage back to your insurance company rather than paying a full amount on a bill. But some doctor's offices know that, and so, therefore, they will reject the health insurance um, mm-hmm. because they know they don't have to take it. Wow. So, sometimes it can be a double-edged sword. Then find
1: another doctor.
4: No. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good plan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, this has been really informational, and um, it sounds like you definitely know what you're doing, so kudos to you. Thank you've, you. You've made it, and, you know, it hasn't even been a year yet. It hasn't. And you're, I'm sure you're kicking it. I am. We're excited for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and I I know that you have a couple um you have a Facebook and a website if you'll tell everybody how they can reach you. Yes,
4: I'm on Facebook as Kimberly Beer Esquire. We're also on Facebook as KB Law Firm LLC. You can reach me at my office number here which is 678. I'm here at Crown Offices 678 five three six four six five four um and i am here in buckhead at the crown office seventh floor come see me (laughs) um
2: Formerly crowned, now it's Peachtree Offices. Now we right? are Peachtree Offices.
4: <laughs> yeah. See, I used, to work, I used to work with William I and we were crowned Back in the offices. day, yeah, exactly,
2: yeah. <laughs> I um, knew I knew that name.
4: So yeah. I am down at Peachtree Offices here. <laughs> well, welcome to Linux. your relocation. Yes. Yeah, you just, we just moved you just a moment ago, yeah,
2: <laughs> live on the air. Um, well, thanks for being on the air. I, just, I know you mentioned uh, during your interview, uh, it seemed like um, every answer was make sure you call the police, call the police, right, in every accident, every case, right? What happens if you hit the police? Who do you call?
4: <laughs> <laughs> your mom? <laughs> <laughs> Probably.
2: <laughs> Sorry, I'm supposed to be the comic. Uh, and then a
4: criminal defense lawyer to come get you. <laughs> yeah. Make sure
2: we call Kimberly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No, what if they hit you? Who do they call? Yeah. <laughs> All right, where's that laughing
1: thing? Oh, yeah. No, no, we'll save that for later. Yeah. <laughs> so you are listening to Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. This is Emily Rowell with Peachtree Offices, but I am your host and... Today we have 3A Law Practice Management and Atlanta's own John Marshall Law School, along with Peachtree Offices as our sponsors. And it's a beautiful, not so beautiful day out today. It's (laughs) It's a little bit cloudy. Well, give it
2: a minute. It'll get, um, (laughs) it'll change (laughs) like every 10 minutes. It's (laughs) still beautiful, but... Oh, yeah, right, yeah.
3: Yeah. can't go wrong.
1: And I have Jeff Dax with me this morning. Good morning. Good morning, Emily. He's taking lots of notes. (laughs) He's a good student. So Jeff here joined Moore, Ingram, Johnson & Steele in 1997 and is a partner in the firm's litigation and employment departments. His prime areas of concentration are in employment law and business litigation as well as HR consulting. Born in Augusta, Georgia, Jeff was admitted to the Georgia Bar in 97 after receiving his JD degree from the Washington University School of Law in St. Louis. Jeff graduated in 94 from the University of Virginia with a major in history. He is a member of the Cobb Justice Foundation, the Cobb Bar Association, and was chairman of the board for Vision Rehabilitation Services of Georgia, where he has served for the past six years. Jeff, his wife Stacy, son Taylor, and daughters Mia and Emma live in Smyrna, where they enjoy community events, Braves baseball, cooking, golf, and skiing. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being here, and tell me how you got started in law. Well,
3: thank you for having me, first of all, Emily. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yes. Um, I was in uh, undergrad at Virginia, and I knew that I wasn't ready for the real world, wanted a little bit more time uh, before heading out, so I knew I wanted to go to grad school, Mm -hmm. and I figured if I went to business school, I couldn't be a lawyer. But if I went to law school, I could still do business. So I went to law school as a way of putting off the decision. (laughs) <laughs> once, once I was in law school, I still didn't know what I wanted to do till I started working in a law firm. And I spent some time working in a law firm, really enjoyed what I was doing, and decided at that point that I wanted to make a career of it.
1: Oh, fantastic. And did you fall into the employment law field, or did you try other things?
3: I sort of fell into employment law once I put a ring on my wife's finger. <laughs> she was the employment lawyer. I yeah. wasn't and uh, so every time I went home with questions from my partners, she would help me through them and after several years of, of asking and answering I finally got it through my thick head that I knew the answers myself without bothering her at dinner so <laughs> that's how I became an employment lawyer and that was about 15 years ago
1: wow wow and so tell me um, what are some of the um, what is I'm sorry what is the most common advice you give to HR directors
3: really the, the most common advice that I give them, once they've called, mm-hmm. uh, is to make sure that they're making a decision that's not rash, but instead is based on the facts that they can document. Uh, a lot of times that means that decisions that an HR director wants to make have to be postponed slightly, mm-hmm. so that they can make sure they have their ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's really important especially with an HR director who has not been in the position with a long history, Mm -hmm. is finding out whether there's precedent in the company for whether or not uh, the action that they want to take is the same type of action that their predecessor may have taken with the same kind of incident previously. The last thing you want to do, even if you have a good reason, for instance, to let somebody go for being late 10 times in a row, is all of a sudden to find out that other employees who were late 10 times in a row didn't get treated the same way as the one you're about to treat differently.
1: Ah, that's very important. So tell me some other reasons why the HR directors would call you, like some, or just kind of elaborate on some of the cases that you handle.
3: More often than not, the kind of work I do involves companies that are small enough that don't have an in-house counsel. A big company with in-house counsel is usually going to have the lawyer inside the company that the HR person can talk to with the kinds of questions that I answer on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So for smaller companies that have somebody in HR, but don't have an in-house counsel, more often than not, I'm answering questions that are unusual. Mm -hmm. For instance, there's a great employee, they haven't been in the company long enough to get family medical leave, but we want to give them leave and hold their job open. Can we do that for Mm -hmm. this particular employee even though they may not qualify that would be an example okay Um, we want to fire this employee because they keep on getting garnished Mm -hmm. can we fire the employee based on numbers of garnishments things that are a tad atypical are the kinds of questions we get from HR directors Mm -hmm. uh, because normally they can handle some of the more routine things Uh, And then the other type of thing that we hear oftentimes is, now we're being investigated, now there's an employment claim, how do we handle those?
1: Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, to have somebody that's professional that knows what they're doing, help them, is huge. So tell me, um, are non-competes enforceable? And before you answer that, tell me a little bit more about non-competes.
3: Sure. A non-compete is a generic term uh, that us lawyers have created to describe a bunch of different types of provisions that an employer will generally make an employee abide by. Mm -hmm. They can be the non-disclosure and confidentiality provisions that are in the handbook. They can be a document that you sign when you start your employment that says that the company is going to give you access to their key clients, and you're not going to open up a business next door and steal all the clients. Mm -hmm. That would be sort of the common uh, non-compete. Generally, they're defined by a duration. You can't do X for a certain number of years. Mm -hmm. You can't do X across the street you can't open the business across the street but if you want to move across the country perhaps that would be accessible you know something that would be Mm -hmm. acceptable Mm -hmm. so there's a geographic restriction and back to your first question are they enforceable basically the more recently they've been signed the more likely they are to be enforced Mm
1: -hmm. okay because
3: Georgia citizens did a uh, approved a constitutional amendment several years ago allowing the legislature to change the law, making these agreements more enforceable. So businesses that used to write them protecting themselves uh, in ways that the courts found overly broad, Mm -hmm. saying that an employee who handles the cash register at a a local convenience store can't work anywhere in in Metro Atlanta, for instance, courts found those overly broad and would strike them. Mm -hmm. Now courts are able to actually rewrite them to some degree to make them conform rather than throwing them out entirely. So the ones that are more modern that would abide by those new rules are more likely to be enforceable.
1: But the others probably not.
3: The older it is, the more likely it was overly broad when drafted or that courts would find some provision faulty and throw the entire thing out.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So as an employer, can I choose whether or not my workers are 1099 or W-2?
3: That's a great question. Uh, I, I, I had a situation, <laughs> I had a situation uh, recently where an employer didn't make the choice whatsoever. And oh, I'll, wow. I'll answer that question first. If the employer doesn't elect either 1099 or W-2, then the election will be made for that employer. It will be W-2. Right. But if the employer chooses a 1099 or a W-2, they can make that election but a 1099 is not just some person that works in the business that you want to get away with paying less a a 1099 is a contractor Mm -hmm. an independent contractor so to make somebody an independent contractor you have to have a contract and that (laughs) contract has to set forth provisions that show how independent that person really is for instance we started your question about Mm non-competes, you can't very well call somebody independent Mm -hmm. but then tell them they can't work for the competitor across the street. If they're truly independent, then they could work as a freelancer, for instance, Mm -hmm. for a variety of different companies. Mm -hmm. So the more control an employer wants to exercise over a worker... And the more the worker is crucial and central to the employer's business, whether it's producing the service or producing the widget, Mm -hmm. then that person is more likely going to be found a W-2 employee, regardless of what the employer wants to call them and characterize them as.
1: I didn't know that it was a choice that they could make.
3: They, you can always elect to make somebody a W-2 employee that's right. the default right. a worker that works in your business is an employee mm-hmm. if you would like to you can try to make them a w excuse me you can try to make them a 1099 independent contractor mm-hmm. but it's a more narrow subset and you have to do everything right otherwise they will be found to be w2 employees and that finding means you probably didn't pay them right. You probably didn't withhold taxes properly. You probably didn't pay your own taxes properly. And you could also so be liable for not having work comp and not having other employment uh, plans in place that are applicable to employees.
1: That's huge. Yeah. So tell me, um, tell me a little bit more about um, an at-will system. So, like Georgia is an at-will state. Can That's you correct. Des- describe that.
3: Um, it, what it really means is that a person is free to quit whenever they want, just like the employer is free to let go of that employee whenever the employer wants. The difference gotcha. The difference is, so it's, it's almost like if you think of tenure. Employees don't have tenure, so to speak, in Georgia. They can be fired uh, and let go for any reason the employer wants, so long mm-hmm. as the reason is not discriminatory. So mm-hmm. if the employee is being discriminated against, that is... wrongful discharge sure but so long as there's no discriminatory motive the employer is free to hire and fire just like the employee is free to quit and leave
1: gotcha Wow so um, are there states that are what would be the opposite of at will
3: that's a good question it's (laughs) something we don't have very much in the southeast and Uh that's a a more typical unionized environment gotcha so in the Midwest you don't see much in the way of uh, at-will employment and that's really a union term. It's a collective bargaining term that, that most employers down here are are not familiar with unless they have Midwestern and Northeastern operations. Gotcha. But but here in the south we have at will.
2: All right. Uh, just want to remind our listeners listening to Atlanta Legal Experts uh, Radio with your host Emily Rao, Rich Casanova, your producer engineer, and um, Jeff, as uh, the business operator here at the Pro Business Channel Studios in Buckhead. Um, talk to us about uh, business owners and say hiring employees is too much red tape and you know uh, litigation and regulation and uh, right. I mean, sometimes you feel like you just want to throw in the towel and say um, I'll do it all myself. Or <laughs> I mean, what are I mean, how do you respond to that kind of? Uh, you know, those con- some of those concerns are?
3: That's usually the uh, rationale that I hear from business owners right. who don't hire employees the right way, who put them in as W-2s, that don't pay them right, that don't take the taxes out, that don't do all the things okay. that they're supposed to do. They say it's because of all the regulation. Right. And my response to that is generally, is it better now that you're paying me or would it have been better (laughs) to employ a a few protective measures on the front end to make sure that you hired somebody properly, that you had the payroll handled the right way, that you were tracking hours and what the employees did. And more often than not, uh, a happy medium can be reached. A lot of business owners don't realize that. America's employment laws phase in depending on how big the company is. Smallest-sized businesses don't have Family Medical Leave Act obligations. They don't have some of the wage and hour obligations. They don't have some of the Title VII discrimination regulations. So as they grow those regulations increase, but not for the smallest new businesses. Yeah, because
2: all of those are in place for certain reasons, but the government can't micromanage if you have two people, you know, type thing. Right? I think it's up to, what, 14 or 15 uh, people within an organization in that ballpark. But um, but we're considering bringing some more, you know, if I can ask. Uh, get, I love this show because you can get free legal advice, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm charging. <laughs> oh, you're the one guy, the one exception, yeah. Um, just pay, just uh, get your... Um, uh, deliver your invoice to Judy at the receptionist on your <laughs> way out. Yeah. So, um, but if we're considering uh, bringing some folks on board, the options are 1099, which sounds really easy. This is like, oh, that, we'll go that route. But yeah, there's, there's a big plus and minus with that. And then finally, you can kind of, uh, not outsource it, but you can go to a, um, a firm that you can contract. You can bring somebody on board, correct me if I'm wrong or what's the yin and yang here, bring someone on board and have it, uh, the payroll through that company, but they're really your employee and it takes care of Takes a lot of that off your or off your plate, or
3: that's several different questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's about a five part question. To, yeah, to, to try pick to, to pick two or three of them. to, well, any to try to answer them sort of in the way that I think makes sense. Uh, certainly, you can bring somebody aboard as your own employee, or you can hire a company and use their employee, so long as that person is employed by the other company. For instance, a lot of times you'll you'll hire a staffing company right. because you want a bookkeeper three hours five hours a week. Right. So you don't wanna hire that person part-time as your employee. But if that person is a W-2 employee of the staffing company, yeah. they're employed somewhere and you're just paying a higher burden yeah, to yeah. have the flexibility of bringing that person exactly. to your office a few extra hours a week here or there. That's great because they're gonna be employed by someone, right. maybe not you. Now also you mentioned um, PEO, which is a, the employer organization that's sort of a joint employer scenario where you're actually sort of leasing employees yeah. from another organization but again they are the employees exactly, of another yeah. organization and what most of the state and federal enforcement agencies care about is whether that worker is employed by someone right are right. they getting their taxes withheld by someone are they getting time and a half if they're owed it by someone right mm-hmm. are they protected by workers compensation
2: So just final point on this. So if I can you go this route, I interview Ed and says, well, Ed seems like the guy to go with. Right. Can I then say, Ed, check with ABC staffing and they'll hire you and they'll do all the W-2 and so forth. But then he's working for me. Or do you have to go to them directly? The, the
3: general answer, I think, is yes. But if you hired the person, then you're not paying a middleman, a profit the middleman is going to demand. If you did it the way you suggested, that middle person is going to need a profit to stay in business. Sure, yeah. So the cost to you should be a little bit higher. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Even if perhaps the administration efforts are less cumbersome.
2: Right, yeah.
1: I like those questions. Yeah, yeah. You, you put them on the spot. i well, I've spot. been kind of thinking this through because
2: we're thinking about interviewing someone but not taking on all that. Just having a couple of people does seem like a lot to manage. So We're willing to pay a little extra to then you know, interview Ed and say, Ed, okay, we're, let's green light, but now uh, we're going to have you go through ABC staffing order, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: I think so long as you're anticipating that somebody else is going to need to make a profit. In that oh, yeah, deal, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then you're paying somebody else to handle your burdens.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is fine. That's fair. It that seems fair to me.
1: Hey, that's hey. perfect. You don't have to worry about it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, let me ask you this. What rights do employees have if they are not receiving overtime pay or if they are being asked to work off the clock?
3: Uh, good question, Emily. Uh, employees... Are always entitled to overtime an employer can have a rule that says the employee is not going to make overtime and the employer can enforce that rule by discipline and terminating the employee that doesn't listen just like an employee violating other workplace rules but every hour worked requires pay Mm -hmm. so the employer is obligated to pay for the overtime even if they're also letting somebody go for violating a workplace rule so the employee is owed time and a half for all hours worked over 40. Mm -hmm. And that's 40 in a calendar week. That's not an average of 40 over the course of a month month or or two. That's not a seasonal job where somebody works 20 hours in the off season and 60 hours in the busy season. Mm -hmm. So it's calculated on an individual work week. And time and a half is generally the – the method by which overtime is compensated, uh, and uh, employees are generally entitled to it unless they fall within certain exceptions. And also, not all businesses are required to give time and a half and fall within what's called the Fair Labor Standards Act. Again, the smallest businesses that don't involve interstate commerce between the states those small businesses that don't gross over five hundred thousand dollars in annual revenue they are accepted from the provisions of that act
1: okay and that makes sense because if it's a very small business everybody's got hands on i mean they have to be working to get that business started and be successful so they're probably working more than 40 hours
3: And that's a good example of of some of the regulation uh, that Rich asked about. The smallest businesses don't have to keep up with some of those uh, obligations because the law doesn't apply.
1: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. You definitely know what you're doing. You are the expert in this field, and that's why you're here on Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. I
3: I married and hired well. My employees (laughs) and my wife, they, they continue to teach me what I'm doing wrong.
1: I absolutely love it. And I, I love the way we have a lot of guests that come on that say, hey, I fell into it and it's something that I do really well, but that's only because I listened, you know, yeah. and, and <laughs> took good notes and and just did what they told me to do. So <laughs> it's funny. But um, if you'll let everybody, let um, our listeners know how they can reach you.
3: Sure. Moore Ingram Johnson & Steele has been around since 1984. We're on the Marietta Square. I've been there since 97. Uh, The website is, the firm initials, M-I-J-S, com, and my contact information and email and all that is there on our firm's website. My direct dial phone number, which is the easiest way to reach me, is 770-795-5079. Thanks again. Thank you for having me, So
1: much, and I had like 15 more questions, but... (laughs) You let Rich have them, all the tough ones. Thanks, (laughs) Rich.
2: No no worries, Jeff, yeah.
1: And I'm going to uh, remind our listeners, you're listening to Atlanta Legal Experts Radio, and I'm going to welcome back Miss Leanne Bellin. Hi, how are you? And I saw you nodding and shaking your head and agreeing. And you, oh, I have wanted... answers
5: to everything. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you wanted to jump right in, didn't you?
5: Definitely. So
1: Leanne Bellin is the ultimate entrepreneur. She is best known for opening the first legal recruiting firm in Atlanta. However, her greatest passion is acting as an agent of change in the legal community. Her first book, Twisted Business, encourages law firms to think outside of the circle and become exceptional. In addition to being an author, Leanne is engaging and informative speaker. She travels wherever she is needed to help law firms transition through the process. What's the
5: process? (laughs) (laughs) My goal really is to help Law firms or groups within the law firm move from being reputable to extraordinary. And so many law firms and groups within them think they're doing everything that they already – they know what they should do. But guess what? They're not doing it. And there are also some creative things that they don't think they should have to think about. Mm -hmm. And you should never put yourself in a container – Right. Don't think outside the box. Don't be inside the circle. Be outside the circle uh-huh. where you can become extraordinary. And you can do that in your personal life, and you can do that in your professional life.
1: It's, if you can easily get into the trap of being in that gerbil wheel.
5: Oh, so easily. It's,
1: it happens to me all the time. Mm-hmm. And so how would you take yourself out? How do you know when you're just running the race?
5: Well, you have to kind of have a sense that you have more guts than good sense, and that's me. <laughs> I've never been a good subordinate, so I've always thought outside of whatever. I, ne- I didn't even know my um, profession existed until I read an article called Dialing for Dollars. Uh, in 1983 and opened the company in 84 because I thought, well, I can do that. I had no business background, no no, nothing background. But you need to be willing to take risks, Mm -hmm. not stupid risks, but informed risks. Mm -hmm. And I hate to tell everybody, even those people who don't like to take risks, you take a risk every time you get up in the morning. That's a good point. Because you can plan your day minute by minute, and something can happen. I had a very good friend years ago who was the managing partner of a major law firm, planned his day out very well, walked outside the office doors at the regular time, and got shot. Well, it changed his personal life, his professional life. People did not come to his aid as he thought they would. And he's ended up remarried, newly, well, now he's retired, and they're often happy. But, I mean, if he'd walked out that door 10 minutes later, he wouldn't have been a victim. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. But we don't have to be shot to, no. to do different things. No. <laughs> no, you don't. But I'm just saying, don't be so, everybody's so risk-averse. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to take some risks if you hope to change. And
1: you, are, you refer to yourself as
5: an agent of change. So tell me what that means a little more. There's no purpose in me coming into your law firm and speaking to your lawyers or your partners and just come out with them being the same people they always were. Mm-hmm. My point is to come in and through speaking to them or with them, mm-hmm. have them come out with some new ideas and some commitments to change. I'm tough. I want to know what the changes are they've committed to make, and I'll check back in to see if they made them. I follow up.
1: So you want to turn that business around to make it even more profitable and successful?
5: Yes, and I want it to also function in a way that not everybody else does, Mm -hmm. to be open to new ideas Mm -hmm. and maybe ideas nobody else has thought of. So tell me, the title
1: of your book, Twisted Business, what is that about?
5: Well, nobody's life goes in a straight line. If, you tell, if they tell you they do, that it does, they're lying to you. <laughs> Everybody's life has ups and downs, circles, and whatever. And whether it's your personal life or your professional life, it's sort of like climbing a twisted tree. You have to get a foothold to start out. And you have to figure out which branch you belong on. You have to understand that not everybody belongs at the top of the tree. And you also have to understand that you may fall from your branch mm-hmm. and have to start all over again. Or you may have picked the wrong branch and you hate it. There are people at the top of the tree who absolutely hate their jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And I always say, and we've been saying this a lot recently, if you, if you love what you do you're going to be successful.
5: That's absolutely right. And people who are miserable, and I, having been in the legal placement and consulting business for so many years, all I heard was people who were miserable. (laughs) And you're just not going to get anywhere that day. I mean, the reason I changed was I'm the rare person who hated seeing my name on the door. Mm. And I got to the point where I thought, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And so I thought, what do I want to do? What do I enjoy doing? Mm -hmm. And I enjoy writing. I'm pretty good at it. And I enjoy speaking. For some reason, it doesn't bother me at all to get up in front of a group. So, yeah. So, you know, a lot of
1: people are up there on the top and they're hating life. And um, what do you tell those people?
5: I tell them to really take a look at what they love, just like I did, Mm -hmm. and It's funny because you can be on the top and have one of two views. Mm -hmm. It can either be a beautiful view or a barren view. Mm -hmm. And if you have a barren view, even if it's going to mean a difference in your income, Mm -hmm. it is up to you to have the internal fortitude to take the risk, think about it. I'm not saying just jump from the top, Mm -hmm. but take the risk and throw yourself into whatever it is you love to do. And I promise you'll end up much happier. Your family will end up much happier. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you will succeed, whether to the point that you make a million dollars a year or not. But i got to tell you, you don't need to make a million dollars a year.
1: Money doesn't make And money, I no. see
5: so many lawyers who've lost families, any connection to their children, mm-hmm. you know, on and on. So, yeah, I think you just,
1: and a lot of times it's really just reminding yourself why you're doing what you do Mm -hmm. in the first place. You probably do love what you did. You know, you started out that way for a reason. I did.
5: I've always, I have come, I've come from a family of service. My master's degree is in curriculum and instruction. I came from a group of educators. Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't understand I was doing this to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I thought I was doing it to help people. And that's what I'm doing again. I'm much happier. I don't have to make that much money. I'm I'm much happier when I truly can help people. I bet. I am. And you started
1: your own legal recruiting from the first one in Atlanta. Yep. And that was helping a
5: lot of people. It did, except for, I'll tell you, it's funny. When you do something you don't know anything about I ran an ad in the National Law Journal, which back then you could do. I think I put $2,000 into the company. And um, I got a resume back. And I'm like, oh, dear God, this woman think I have her life in my hands. And I couldn't sleep because I didn't have a job for her. Well, I didn't understand that I only controlled about 20% of the business out there anyway. Plus, one point I want to make, which was hilarious, and you have to remember When this was, it was 1984. But every managing partner I went to meet with told me that this would never work. Mm. This wasn't ever going to work. They'd never used recruiters before. Well, once it did work, then they started, once somebody hired somebody from us, all of a sudden the phone started to ring. And a year later, a managing partner, and here's my big point, who has a daughter, called me and said, women shouldn't make that much money. Oh yeah, so um, I just couldn't believe that. I I have a daughter, and I told her from the beginning she could be whatever she wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So go wow. go figure.
1: <laughs> so you knew a lot. Of what my interview with Jeff were talking about mm-hmm. employment law, yep. and so you're very familiar with that, obviously, yep. since you were in the recruiting world. Um, and also, you have a speaking um, part of your program where you that's speak- really the
5: major part Mm -hmm. what I want to do in the book my end game is to use the book which is a fun read and funny too because it's done by me (laughs) um (laughs) and very creative I want to use the book to help me get speaking engagements because I love to get up in front of a group and speak and I engage the audience a lot so it's not just me up there Speaking. It's it's trying to get feedback and come up with new ideas, and Mm -hmm. you know it's really interesting.
1: So tell me
5: the the most the two most
1: important things attorneys need to do in order to be successful.
5: I'll put three in. Um, (laughs) Okay, the three most important. Okay, (laughs) they have to be smart. If they're not smart, they're never going to get through law school. First of all, (laughs) second, they have to be very good in their field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not good in your field, nobody's ever going to use you again. And third, you have to be personable and a good people person with great communication skills. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, nobody wants to work with you and your um, other staff members, your partners. They're not going to want to introduce you to anybody mm-hmm. if you can't talk right. or if you can't give a good handshake. Or you don't look people in the eye, or you don't know how to dress. I mean, I've been hired literally to tell a guy ha- that he had to take a shower. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did right. I, I did it. Um, but you, you have to be smart. You have to know your field and yeah. love it. And you have to be a people person. And that just goes back to why attorneys do what they do. They they do
1: want to help people. I hope. Yeah, and then, but again, they can get into that
5: mm-hmm.
1: ra- that race, the rat race. But um, that sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I really want to read your
5: book. It's now. fun, yeah. And funny.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so how can we find your book, and
5: how can we locate you? Well, you can find me very easily. You're going to get tired of my name. My last name it's Lee Anne. B as in boy, E-L-L-O-N as in Nancy. And if you look up Leanne Bellen, you can please join me on LinkedIn. I uh-huh. love that. Uh-huh. Uh, I also have a website that we're reworking, but it's thebellinfirm.com. Or call me. I am so tired of my phone not ringing. Everybody <laughs> emails. Everybody. <laughs> and I will love you if you will call me. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. <laughs> My number is 404 219 903. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And
1: I'm so glad you're back with well, us today. And I know that you can help a lot of those listeners out there just kind of mm-hmm. refresh their brain, mm-hmm. is what it sounds like. Um, and thank you, everybody, for being here today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. This is Emily Rowell with Peachtree Offices signing out.
5: Thank you
0: again for joining Emily Rowell and her guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. You ever hear something and know the world will never be the same? We'll have liftoff. We'll wait until you hear this one. Half price coffee. That's right. Get into McDonald's weekdays before 10.30 a.m. for any size premium roast coffee or iced coffee. Both made with 100% Arabica beans, both half the price. Good is brewing. <laughs> and that's the sound of your morning changing. Limited time only. May not be combined with any offer or combo meal. And participate in McDonald's.
5: Hey, you. Are you ready? Grab your pack, grab your tent, grab your gear. Jump in. We're going on an adventure. In Arizona, there's so much to see, so much to experience. At GCU, adventure is never too far away. Offering over 200 academic programs with a Christian worldview and nestled in the heart of Phoenix, you can earn your degree in fewer than four years and explore everything Arizona has to offer. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash azroadtrip.